Welcome to the Wealthy Homes Podcast, where we help young Michigan families manage their finances and create wealth. I'm your host, Connor Bowserman, financial advisor with Preferred Financial Group. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Homes Podcast. My name is Connor Bowserman, the host, and and typically in this podcast, we're talking about managing finances and creating wealth. But in this mini series, we're going to be highlighting five different small businesses and highlighting their entrepreneurship journey, because not only can you create an income with entrepreneurship, but also a business asset. And so to help us do that, we're highlighting five different small businesses throughout Southwest Michigan. And in this episode, we're going to be highlighting Caleb Grummet, who is the owner and operator of Grit Strength Systems. So without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, Caleb Grummet. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Connor. So kind of take me back a little bit in your journey. I know me and you have had a relationship in the past. For those who don't know, you know, I went to Olivet College and, and ran there, but Caleb was the strength and conditioning coach for, I think, all of the years or almost all the yep. years that I was there. And then he was even my weight training teacher for one of my classes. So him and I have had a good relationship over the years. So yep. kind of just talk about your story even before Olivet. Okay kind of right out of high school. Okay. I know you became a Marine. Yep. So kind of tell us a little bit okay, about that because well, everybody's got a story. A, ba- a backdrop, right? So yeah. like I truly believe in, in order to know where you're going in the future, you got to know where you've come and the footsteps you've taken from the past, right? So, you know, the earliest time as a child, my draw to for, to physical fitness and, and training to be strong and powerful and heroic has always been deep with inside you know i had idols like hulk hogan you know rambo rocky all these people that were like you just drawn to this mystique the power the confidence that they had you know and as a youth i was overweight and struggled with that being teased at school was tough so i remember getting to a point where i was just like i want to be these guys i see on tv so from walking to school or jogging to school or doing push-ups or doing pull-ups at an early age, just trying to always stay active and always stay fit. Every day it was in my mind and in my soul. It's about being tough. It's about being strong, you know, being probably that middle child with a chip on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. It was like, I always saw these people that's like, I can do those things and I'll never let my, my body or, or my body image hold me back from that. Okay. Right. So from, those early years in elementary, I then found athletics. I was drawn to sometimes coming from a, a troubled childhood, you know, with like parents that were not always there. It was it was hard, right? So mm-hmm. football, wrestling, baseball, all of these sports like pulled me in. So I consistently found ways to show off myself, show off my skills, and consistently drive forward. Well, 1994 was really when I started hitting the weight room at the middle school, you know, where it was like started to see muscles changing and growing. And from that point, I was hooked, drawn into athletics. I had this, again, the chip on the shoulder, and I always wanted to be the best. It didn't matter who was in front of me, who was there. I always wanted to be that guy that coaches could lean on, that I could support the team and and leave a legacy or a mark no matter where I was at, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it was football or wrestling. So from high school, I was all-state wrestler, all-state football player. I always talk about letting your actions equal your priorities. So I did run into some trouble in my younger times where it was like, do I go to college and and follow some of these foot tracks or do I get myself 
further discipline, further develop. So I chose to go into the Marine Corps again, kind of found those young okay. heroes, you know, so through the Marine Corps was probably the best learning opportunity that I ever had. Okay. You know, from an 18 year old kid, I learned to stand up for my own self, you know, own up for, for the problems and, and, to, and to look on obstacles head on, you know, okay. they put me very quickly into the head of a gun squad leader, you know, in charge of other Marines. And it was something that just connected with something amazing. So they instilled intensity, they instilled discipline, they instilled the fact that it's not about comforts. You're going to learn to embrace the suck. You're going to wake mm. up at times you don't want to wake up. You're going to do the things that you don't want to do, but you don't have a choice in it, right? You right. have a mission to accomplish. It's all about the mission that's being accomplished. So after the Marine Corps, I was kind of at a catch. Like, what do I do now? I always want to go to school, but I don't think it's in my, you know, because again, mm -hmm. I'm a first gen college student. And, uh, you know, so I went home back to Michigan and I started dating my wife. We started raising a family and I started just working. I worked in steel mills. I worked in, you okay. know, hospitals. I worked in wherever I could to kind of find my place. Having children, I just kind of kept seeking these places where I could fit. Now, Challenge is my is my main key. I mm -hmm. need to be challenged. I need to have something to grow from. So when I would run into a place where there was no more challenges, I would get very bored and I would be looking for something more to add to myself, right? And that was kind of when God was like, Caleb, I've got more for you. So I even during working, I I kind of started to partake into MMA. Okay. So I, I was dabbling in MMA, you know, as a as a husband, as a father, which my wife thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. I think everybody around me thought I was crazy. And as an amateur, I went 18 and 0. So like the skill set and the drive and you know, the ability to still do what I, you know, did even at the age of 25, 26 years old was pretty impressive. So then awesome. promoters started reaching out and they said, Hey, we want you to fight on this pro show. Hey, we want you to fight on this pro show. So I just took whatever they threw at me. Yeah. My first fight ever as a pro was against King of the Cage champion. I mean, he had over 30 fights. It was my first fight and ended up beating him in the first round. So again, here was this guy that like nobody had heard of. He'd been making some noise in the early amateur ranks, but now was like setting the scene to be a true contender. That's awesome. And from that point, I mean, I was fighting some of the best in the world. I never turned down a fight. I was the one fighter that could be ready in a week because I again the mil the military always taught me it's not about getting ready, it's about staying ready. Yeah. You know, never turn anything down no matter how you're feeling. You know, you might be sore, this might not be feeling great, but you still have a show to do, right? Yeah. You still put on a show. So through my fighting career, it's kind of like getting to this point where it's like, what do I do with it now? Where do I go? Because again, having family responsibilities is kind of hard just to, yeah. to leave and cut that off and do you know do those things. So I started working out with wrestlers down at Olivet College. So that was kind of my training scheme. It was like I get to work out with college guys, have some good times, you know, good training through good coaches. And it was there that the, the head coach was like, hey, would you please come help coach our heavyweights? we will give you this ability to finish your school and do these things as a coach for all of that. That's awesome. So I had to think about this is a big, you know, life skills. I said, yeah. it's not paid for, but they're right. taking care of college fees, which is huge. Right. Yeah. So me and my wife discussed it. And I said, I think God's leading me to do these things. Right. Like it's, it's very important that I follow his call. And I know that if I yeah. live off his purpose, I'm going to live off his supply. Right. Yep. So 
I started coaching, started going to school. So I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I'd be to the wrestling room at 6 a.m. I'd clean up after practice. I didn't go to class. And then I would go back to the wrestling room, come home and take care of the family. And, and those were kind of those early hours, those grind days where there wasn't really any off time. It was just, right. you, you had a mission to accomplish, right? After completing my undergrad, that was kind of when they reached out to me like, hey, we have a position open for string coach. Is this something that you might be interested in? Absolutely, without a doubt. You know, mm -hmm. it, it was one of those things that I was kind of leaning towards that it was kind of a new profession at the time right you know but it was a scary thing because i hadn't spent a whole lot of time interning i hadn't spent a whole lot of time working through other places to, to learn these things so mm. it was all about the things i've researched all things about the things i studied being a consummate professional i had to know what was the best exercises fit for strength development yep. set for injury prevention and to make sure that athletes were growing without any risk Right. Cause I said, that's the worst thing is if we train athletes and they have a bad day at competition, guess what that says about my job? I'm not very good. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wasn't going to do something that wasn't at my best. Right. You know, it's the first year it was a interim spot. Right. So I had to earn my wings. So for $10,000 for a whole year, working 12 to 14 hours a day, I gave everything I possibly had. Yeah. You know, to the point where at that next year, they're like, we want this guy. We need this guy. And a position was created. So from that point, again, I, I, I never changed. I never held back. It was about what more can I bring to the school? What more can I bring to the athletes? That was when they brought me in as an interim instructor. So I was teaching fitness management. I was teaching substance use and abuse, weight training, personal fitness, all these different classes on top of coaching, on top of all these things. But it was the ability to interact with students help them develop and help pull more from them than they can even see. Yeah. And that kind of brought me up to the next stages where it was like, I was kind of hitting that. I need more challenges. Right. So yeah. I committed to my master's degree. So I finished my master's degree in a year and that was what took me into Davenport, which then I became the director and so on and so on. Okay. So you went into Davenport and I don't want, I don't want to skip this cause I think it's pretty cool and pretty important during that time you were still boxing correct <laughs> yes <laughs> yep so you know you know that's that's a great point so when i was coaching at olivet you know when i was going through classes i wasn't making money mm -hmm. so i had to continue to find fights and it was another amazing thing because you know my faith is what keeps me moving forward as well you know, my wife kind of has sit down and says, Hey, we're, we're kind of running out of money. Like, I think we need to stop doing these things. I think you need to go, you yeah. know? And again, I, I looked at her and I said, like, I believe that this is what God wants me to do. I remember going out to change my oil and coming back into over 35 texts saying, Hey, call me, call me. It was a promoter saying that this television show, AMC low winter son was looking for a lead guy as a boxing stunt double for okay. their television show, which more than paid the bills, right? Which That's more than awesome. gave us a cushion to, to keep pursuing where we had to go. So whether you know, doing television shows, taking fights, whatever I possibly could, I was supported by a great staff at all of that. And again, I don't think I've ever missed a beat on, you know, I wasn't, I was always in class doing what I had to do, but right. it was just the, the constant moving forward. You know, yeah. never making excuses, never complain about how much work you have to do is just getting it done. That's awesome. 
So that's got to be kind of a change from being like school teacher, training with some wrestlers to being a pro boxer <laughs> by night. I, I got to imagine that that was a little bit tough, especially mentally to make that. You know, you know, that question has been asked because again, like my entire life, I've been a fighter, whether it was like me just kind of standing up to, to local bullies or whatever it was. You saw that you brought that up from MMA professionally. I then turned to boxing, you know, which boxing took me to some of the greatest places in the, the world on some of the top cards in the world in just a short amount of time. I think that to me, it was normal. To me, it was okay. just another day, right? You know, I trained at tours. I trained with some of the best people in the world. And it was just something we did. So I think it was more of a, a, a mystique to, to, to the students of Olivet because they're like, oh my gosh, this guy just fought on HBO and right. he's sitting right in class the next day, you know. But it was asked to me by a boxer in California one time. He was like, you do MMA and box? I'm like, right. I said, do you think if a fish could walk on land, it would? I said, right, fighters fight. I said, I'm going to go wherever they need me to go and they're willing to pay the bills. That's awesome. So you get to Davenport and... I'm sure that was not only a good pay increase to go to being a director, but then COVID hit. So kind of what happened from there? You know, so at that time, it was still kind of scary because I always saw myself at being the top, within the top Division One schools, helping athletes become the best and, you know, sitting at the, the top of the stage, right? So Davenport was kind of that stepping stone as Division Two. 33 sport programs, very successful basketball, very successful football, very successful baseball programs. It's just, you know, it's, it's a very budding, growing university. I was also brought in as a liaison for, for Spectrum Health's liaison for, for return to play. Okay. Right? So if after they, an ACL injury, I would take that athlete and I would build them up for the protocols needed to return to their play. So it was a very pristine position, growing position. And I want to say it was about a year after that, that the COVID illness came in, right? So I was on the board trying to figure out what to do. Mm -hmm. Nobody knew what to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be the, let's be the light in the darkness. I said, let's not overreact. I said, we don't know what's going on yet. I said, like, what safer place to be than here? You know, we can do these protocols, but it kind of like the decision all kind of went away from everybody. Right. Yeah. So at that time we stopped doing the work at the university and I was actually brought in to read EKGs for spectrum health, you know, so they wanted yeah. to take me from where I was really meant to be within the weight room, developing mm -hmm. athletes to now sitting in front of a computer for eight to 12 hours a day. And I said, I, I can't do this. I said, put me on the front lines, have me sweep, have me grieve, do whatever you need me to do. I said, I can't sit in one place and, and read mm -hmm. EKG. So like, they made the decision to, to do Zoom meetings with coaches and Zoom meetings with athletes and do protocols for strength training at the home. Like, what do we do? So we would do small videos and say, do these exercises, stay, you know, stay with it. Because I said, like, we don't know how long this is going to last. It was a dark time. It was a dark time for a yeah. lot of people. You know, like I had worked so hard to get to that position and now everything was out of my balance. Right. So yeah. I remember sitting around the house, kind of trying to figure out myself, throwing pity parties, like questioning faith, questioning everything, which I think many of us were. Yeah. And the only thing I really found refuge in was the equipment that I had with me, which was about 240 pounds of weight. So platform, a barbell, and just some simple other tools within my garage that I could create exercise equipment. Mm -hmm. So I remember setting up a pulley system for pull downs, 
doing different stuff like that. I had rocks in my yard that we would pick up and hold like goblet squats and do exercise in the yard. Well, people started seeing some of these pictures. You know, here's a guy that's in his garage doing crazy things with, with barbells and bands and weights. And while everything was closed, here's a guy still moving forward, right. not giving up. So yeah. we went from where I could train two hours a day and sit in a hammock and maybe have a beer or two to now people are like calling me saying, hey, what time can I come train with you? What time can I come in? Can I come in? So we went from being me and my son at the gym who were exercising together and doing like yeah. doing all yeah. these things together. And, uh, well, why don't we start here? Well, I, you know, I got to be here at such, such. I was like, all right. So we started running from 5 o'clock in the morning until 8 at night, and that was Monday through Sunday. Physical therapies were shut down. Gyms were shut down. Everything was shut down. Now, because of our sheriff here in Barry County, he gave kind of that okay to do your thing. Okay. Right? So we we started training these people through a lot of a lot of athletes, a lot of like just personal fitness type stuff. But then we started having some people with COVID coming in where I was actually working with some COVID patients who were dealing with the illness and dealing with, with pains and needing rehab. So like they found that like through some of the training that we were doing was actually helping them get through some of that illness before it really took on its, you know, before it really progressed. We started having individuals come in with severe injuries, right? We had a man who came in with a snowmobile accident, lower lumbar fracture, paralyzed from the waist down where his wife was looking to kind of build his upper body. And I said, let's see what we can do by training him and see if we can get him out of his chair. Because I had done some neurological reconstruction in Barwis in Detroit. So we started working with this individual. In about two and a half months, we started having some regeneration within the neurological firing patterns in his lower body. And he went from his wheelchair to walking around with canes. You know, so like from that point, we started to see like, this isn't just a place to be fit. This isn't a place just to be strong. This is a place that's going to change your life. So we had military people coming in with PTSD and thoughts of suicide that just through training with us, just through communicating and and, and building these relationships, it started to change everything about them. That's awesome. So, Yeah, I think you not only help people physically, but you've also created a community for them to feel like they can belong to something more than just a gym. You have to. You know, one of the things that we've always realized is the only way to get results is to build relationships and you can't fake that. Right. It's got to be real. So even you at you know college, if I was just that coach that told you what to do, but didn't ask questions right. or, or, or see how school was going or see how mom and dad were doing or mm-hmm. discuss things with the Bible or discuss things, you know, how's life going? Like, you know, oh, you yeah. know it was a bad night, blah, blah, blah. So you have to know that they truly care to really reach in and pull the greatness out. So I always say, if if you're committed to me, I'm 100% committed to you and we're going to build something and together we're always stronger. So That's awesome. So you started off in your own barn and you said, <laughs> all right, this isn't going to work. Right. You know, you know, what were the next steps from there? You know, so like you said, from the barn, it, it was insane. You know, we, we, we had horrible lighting. So I brought in some fluorescent lighting which some people were happy with some people didn't like uh-huh. you know we, it was no air conditioning so i mean in the dead heat of the summer it could be over 90 degrees in the gym so yeah. i put some window units in it started slowly growing you know at that time i was still salaried at the university but still very much month by month right, right. you know living paycheck to paycheck and i remember taking one of my last 300 dollars that i had to build a rack out of pine 
Okay. Right. So I, I, I reached out to a friend that had the ability to put these things together. We put together this rack and brought it in. So I started with one platform barbells and then I had a wooden rack built and brought in, which saved me quite a bit of money doing it that right. way. And through that one rack, again, that's what we've helped so many people change their lives. And it was just growing, growing, growing to the point where it's like, what do I do? What do mm-hmm. I do? Because I mean, think about like without any outgoing finances right there's like i had nothing to pay for an equipment i had nothing to pay for for facilities i had nothing to pay for rents or any of that stuff right so everything coming in was great but if you ever operated a business at your home where there's really no time that became very stressful people yeah. would come in and use the bathroom come in and use the shower because again i opened everything up yeah i didn't care you know i said you need a bathroom go in i said you need something to eat i'll bring something out like this is what we did at that time because everybody else was shutting themselves down to people and i just opened myself up so we discussed it with my wife trying to figure out what we wanted to do we've had some members that offer different opportunities for some land in certain areas but again i i didn't feel it was the right place at the time you know i i drove probably 50 to 100 mile radius looking for different commercial properties and just difficult to find the right thing with the right price. You know, because again, I'm still one guy, no partners trying to figure out what to do and not overdo it. Because again, if I make the wrong decisions now, my family is going to suffer. Exactly. So we seeking everything out. The people that offered us a piece of land also had a rental home. So I'm like, well, here's what I can do. I can sell my house because the housing market was going really well at the time. We can rent this property and we can use the equity and buy some property. And there was a nice little piece that we had looked at a couple of times, two acres of commercial property in Woodbury that I said, let's do it. It was a land contract. So we started a land contract. Now that wouldn't have been paid for right away. And I think mm-hmm. a building fee is astronomical for commercial yep. property. So I'm like, now what do I do? I have to, I just sold my house. Mm-hmm. That means my garage is gone. Now I need a place to put the building. Right. So right. I searched everywhere again, what space is going to be perfect? Where can we bring in a weight room, you know, a weight equipment, yep. a training facility that aren't going to have all these other things that are going to cause us issues? You know, right. so I was looking over there by Walmart, these little rent spaces for 12 or 2400. So that's not enough. That's not big enough. It's not easily accessible. You know, and I was about ready to give up. You know, I'd call different storage places. I'm like, what do I do? And the funniest story is I stop in at Little Caesars to get the kids a pizza and walk across the way to the gas station to get a drink. And as I walked across, there was this beautiful old auto body shop that had just vacated. So I looked at the message on the door. I called the owner the next day, and we were in the building within three days. That's awesome. So we made a transition. We closed the garage down on a Saturday morning. And we were operating on a Monday in the new facility. Carpet laid, mats laid, equipment up, everything set and going. There wasn't one day skipped. That's grit. (laughs) It's it's absolutely grit. (laughs) That's awesome. So from here, I know you've kind of talked about still building on or extending onto a different property. Kind of what has brought that? Was it just the success of this business that you want to continue it on to a bigger facility? Or is it just you just want to keep elevating it? Absolutely. It's about elevating, right? Because again, I didn't ever do this because I want to start a business. People ask me like, did you like, this must've been a dream. I said, absolutely not. I never wanted to run my own business. Okay. (laughs) 
I always wanted to be at the university. That was what I had thought was the end's end, right? What greater place? I'm at the, the, the height of a university as prestige, right? That's people looking up to me, right? But it's also a lot of red tape you got to roll through every day with certain administrations and dealing yeah. with things that like, this is the right way, but I can't necessarily do it this way. So we've got to kind of right. figure out what we can do with these different rules. We, mm -hmm. we ran into a lot of that, you know, at different schools we were together, but it was the lives I was changing. Like I said, we were having fun with the fitness type stuff, but like I had this retired, retired army major coming to me and he was the one that was dealing with PTSD and thoughts of suicide and, and, and poor eating habits and just like was ready to give up on life. And slowly as we built that relationship and built this training, he started losing weight, getting stronger, feeling energy and, and hope started coming back. And I remember he called me in before he moved to Oklahoma and he looked at me with tears and said, don't ever stop doing what you're doing. Yeah. Don't ever stop doing what you're doing. You know? And I'm like thinking, I was like, I keep seeking this path, but is it intended? Right? Like, I like the ability to run my business, but it says it's, it's hard and it's not what I've ever wanted. Mm -hmm. But time and time again, people are coming up and saying, this is revolutionary. My life has never felt so good. I've never felt so good. And I can't, I've never been able to do the things I could with so much ease. So from that point, I'm like, it's time. It's yeah. time to give this a go. So, you know, put in my resignation to Davenport and started slowly moving this way, trying to format everything I was doing, you know, cause again, like people would drop in, drop in fees, this, that, and I'd yeah. always provide waters and proteins and basically giving stuff away as people were getting stronger. Right. So now I had to start putting down actual business planning phase development, you know? And so I would sit up at night and I would, design exactly where I'd want to be, what I wanted to do, how to market, how to, you know, cause that was kind of what my master's degree was in yeah. and just slowly every day going over these goals and going over these sheets. And after a day's work, what emails do I have to write? What things do I have to check up on? And, and yeah. so it just slowly kept escalating. So I said from the garage to the facility win now to now the build, right? It's now how many people can I target? Right. It's not so much on, on fiscal return. It's more on how much change can we create? So the larger facility, the greater change that we can make. So right now we're running still 12, 16 hours a day. We're looking at adding on 24 seven. We're looking at doing online personal training. We're looking at doing massage therapy. We're looking at doing holistic nutrition. We're looking at doing IV therapy. We're looking at doing all of these things, these diversified type setups. Yeah. To where when we're one-on-one -on -one in, in our training development center, it's much more intimate. It's much more established for greater results. You know, because I awesome. said, when you're running 16 hours a day, you're exhausted. You're emotionally exhausted because the energy it takes in, to, to provide to members and the teaching, the corrections and, and the things, it, it starts to wear, right? right. So by the, the last hours of the day, it, it's, it's hard. So what we're trying to do is format the perfect, precise setup where we can still maintain the strength development from our, our current members and their group training plans and, and give more to the individuals who've suffered breakdown. Knees, okay. backs, shoulders, not being able to do the activities that they once enjoyed. Right. So that's kind of where we're establishing ourselves. Yeah, so like a and specialty. Next, it's, it's very much a, a specialized setup. Okay. 
if you could go back and kind of redo some things, what were some things that you'd give some advice to even your younger self, whether that was a year ago or a couple of years ago, business wise or not, kind of what were some things that you would give yourself some advice on? You know, that's a hard thing, right? Because I said, like, you know, looking back, you know, you, you, you can sometimes pinpoint certain areas. And I think it's always been who you surround yourself with. Because I said, this is a very servant-based organization. It's very delayed gratification. And I, and I had many people that I brought in to work with me that I thought were the people that I could hand this off to. Right. You know, because the grid strength system is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I might retire. I might become the facilitator. I'll always be around this because it's something that I'm very passionate about. But it's who you bring in to make sure that your culture and your vision stays clean. Because that's what happens to most industry is you just start bringing people in to help you run a business as you grow. And it starts to water this down, which you're no longer that product that's true, that brings out the results, that creates the change and affects the community the way that it has to. And that's the one thing that I want to avoid. Right. So I would tell my younger self is to make sure you rest, make sure you find times to, to, to find quiet. Because I think the ones who suffer the greatest during these times are your family. Because I give everything I have to my members. I give everything I have to my business. When I'm not doing this, I'm napping. I'm trying to find mm-hmm. times to energize or, you know, or read right. books because I'm consistently going through text. I consistently want to brush up on the things that, hey, I remember this, but, you know, I, I can start utilizing these different things, right? The greatest thing that I can pass to, to others would be follow the Pareto's law. That's doing 20% of the things that are going to produce 80% of the yield. So you can focus on all these different things, right? Like what colors my building, what mirrors are up. It has nothing to do with that. You know, so I always tell my employees, I said, the Pareto's law is, it's all about the members. I said, you make them feel at home. I said, you give all of your energy, you help build them up. I said, by doing that, you'll have the greatest changes and the business is just going to keep expanding. Yeah. You know, I know what equipment has to be brought in. I know right. what different technological advances I want to bring in. But until we get to the right point, it's to driving the members forward. It's about building them up, giving them everything that we can possibly give them within that time frame that they're here. That's great advice. So I'm going to wrap things up and I'll ask you the question I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. It's what's one piece of advice you'd give another young family? doesn't have to be fitness related, business related. It can literally be anything. So again, it, it comes down to culture, right? So young marriages, people with children, busy times start to pull us in different directions, mm-hmm. right? But as long as you can tie yourself and anchor yourself into a shared vision and, and know what culture that you're trying to establish and that both husband, wife, and children are mm-hmm. following that direction, you'll never falter, you know, it says he without vision is destined for destruction, right? Like we have yeah. to maintain this. So never look for the ease because yeah. comforts lead to, to failures, right? Stay sharp and proactive and remember times to spend time together, right? And all the busyness, make sure you spend that time together and keep up with that correspondence on where we're going, where we're heading. All right. Before we leave... What are some ways that people can contact you or reach out if they wanted to come visit the gym, come find you on social media, 
so kind of can, some ways they can contact you. People can reach out to our website, which is grit-stringsystems.com. They can reach out to our Facebook, gritstringsystems.com. And, you know, my number's all over those. We're at 230 North Broadway right now, but moving out to the Woodbury property within the end of the year. But that's probably the best way. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks, Caleb. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for listening to the Wealthy Homes Podcast. Be sure to click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Connor Bowsman or Preferred Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of Connor Bowsman or other qualified financial advisors with any questions you may have regarding this episode. Connor Bowsman is a licensed financial advisor and any of the investment advisory services offered are through Harbor Investments, member SPIC. Products and services provided are not NCOA insured, have no credit union guarantee, and may lose value. Consumers Professional Credit Union and Marshall Community Credit Union and Harbor Investments are separate and independent companies, and credit unions are not providing security services.